Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD. And today we are talking about growth and building. And honestly, this man needs no introduction. But for some of y'all, he might because he, although he's not super active on LinkedIn, he was the OG in this thought leader game. He was the OG in the sales dev game. He was doing it before it was cool. And honestly, as someone who I looked up to heavily early on in my career, and I view him as one of the founding fathers of scaling SDR orgs. Because not only has he had immense success at companies like Trade.io, ServiceNow, InsideView, but he understands the fundamentals of in order to build an SDR org, it starts with building SDRs. He gets growth both from an individual level and an organization level. And we're going to be diving into all of that today. Mr. Ralph Barsi, welcome to the show. Hey, D, what's up, my man? Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. I, it warms my heart. It's great to be here. You know, for those of those that don't see this on video, though, I had to grit a little bit through it because my man decided to show up with a Giants hat on and just try to throw him a whole vibe. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to adapt here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my way through this and we'll go for it. But we're going to dive into it because that's why people do enjoy this show. We don't do the fluff. We don't do the Oh, how'd you get into sales backstory? Like we get right into the good stuff here. And so let's talk about building a foundation for a great SDR or, right? What do you look for and how do you build out that strong foundation to grow upon? Uh, well, that's a great question to start off with. So I would just um, begin with the end in mind. I would fast forward, let's say five years, let's say 10 years, whatever desired tenure you plan to have in the role. What would you like it to look like when you sign off and move on to a new venture? 
you know, what do you want everybody applauding and being excited about because you and your team built this? And then reverse engineer and work your way backwards. So uh, in no particular order, KD, it includes scaling headcount. And in order to scale headcount, you've got to attract top talent versus pursue top talent. So what do I mean by attract? Well, it could probably start with the job description. You know, is it well written? Is it compelling? Is it a job and a company and a culture that would attract you and appeal to you as, as a candidate? Uh, and then you work your way around, um, uh, obviously hitting your numbers. You've got to hit the numbers. So how are you going to get leaders and teammates focused on which way north is? It reminds me of a story when I went and saw Dr. Stephen Covey. God rest him. Uh, close to 20 years ago now, I got to attend one of his conferences and he gets up on the podium and he says, I'd like everybody to take their left hand, cover their eyes, and you point to where north is and keep your eyes covered. And then I want you to keep that right hand up pointing north and drop the, the left hand from your eyes and look around. And of course, all the fingers are pointing in every direction. And he said, unfortunately, this is how a lot of businesses and teams are run today. Everyone is pretty certain they know which direction north is, and they're typically wrong. Uh, so it's the mission of the leader and the objective of the leader to constantly shine a light on where the North Star is so that the team can fly in formation in that direction. So that then whittles down to your daily activity and your focus on, you know, if we're going to reconcile our direction towards north, what does that mean for me in the next hour to five hours to day, et cetera? And what activities do I need to focus on? That way you and the team start to micromanage the numbers versus one another. Uh, and it's a much, much easier effort uh, when everybody is kind of rowing in the same direction and micromanaging the same things. Uh, think about as a leader, productivity of your team. You know, in sales development, we're typically tracking the amount of pipeline per head that's produced. And you're gonna to wanna to measure an increase, of course, in that pipeline per head per quarter so that you can report to uh, the executive team, you can report to the board uh, and, and shareholders uh, the productivity increases and improvements that you've made in your, in your top of funnel function. Lastly, uh, it's just focusing on uh, enablement and operations. You know, you have to constantly train uh, and hone the competencies and skills of your players. Uh, and as leaders, we need to do what doesn't scale, in fact, and that is get to know each and every individual as best you can. Try to try to tap into what their purpose is and what their mission is, what's really pulling them towards their goals so that you can get them to work uh, optimally and perform optimally. And in the you know words of the late coach John Wooden from UCLA, you know, if you focus on each individual player performing optimally, you no longer have to look at the scoreboard. So those are some key components I would begin with if I were to really scale an organization to world-class levels. I told you on the intro, he gets it. So we're going to break each one of these down a little bit further. So let's talk about that true north. How do you communicate that out to the team in a way that it gets, you know, bought into and believed in? Right. Because there's often times where it's not communicated like a true north. It's almost communicated like the, the Ten Commandments, right? The VP just comes down from Mount Sinai with the tablets and says, This is now what we're doing. And there's never that buy-in or belief. So how do you craft kind of the story around that true north so it's something that the team feels some ownership in? Great question. You know, we can probably spend the rest of our conversation on this. So I'm gonna do my best. 
to keep this brief and concise and informative. Um, so first things first, you know, uh, really keep in mind as a leader that this, no matter what, is going to be a collective effort. It requires all hands on deck. And when a North Star is identified, whether it's an ARR target, whether it's a pipeline target, uh, you have to consider kind of where the company is in terms of its its phase of growth or maturity cycle, where it is on the maturity cycle. Uh, in my current company, for example, we are a mid to late stage startup company. So we're on a much uh, different, uh, we're in a much different chapter of growth than my team was at ServiceNow, for example. So right now, an ARR target to us uh, is going to hopefully help us realize an exit strategy. And when your SDR team or your sales team buys into working for this company, they're buying into the collective mission to achieve that exit strategy and serve more and more of the marketplace as, as time goes on and as the company evolves. So if you can start there, tapping into, hey, KD, you joined us because you want to be on this mission with us. This is where we're headed. And as it comes down to our contribution towards that mission, this is what we're going to need from you. Uh, if you're rowing in that direction, when the whole boat's going in this direction, it's going to be an uphill climb for everyone. So let's create this win-win situation and get there together. Now let's talk about how your day breaks down, how your week breaks down. And it's much easier for any person to digest and accept when it's presented that way. And then I would emphasize and reinforce what that mission is through things like weekly updates. Uh, every Sunday, for example, in my world, I carve out two hours of my Sunday morning. I'm not suggesting everybody do this, but this is what works for me. Over a hot cup of coffee and it's all quiet in the house, I will craft a message to my directs and then I will send it to extended directs and leaders as a forward, as an FYI. That's really, really important for people to understand what's on your radar, what you see coming down the pike and what they need to be thinking about. And then it extend, extends into all hands calls, which we hold monthly. Uh, it extends to one-on-ones where we talk about what I mentioned earlier. This is where now I'm tapping into your purpose as to why you're even here so that I know what's going to trigger and motivate you to want to win, to want to improve, et cetera. So I'll pause there. I mean, again, we can go for days on this stuff, but the communication piece alone is, is imperative. If you are not communicating consistently, clearly, and well, uh, it's going to be a big struggle. And, and by communication, by the way, that's listening, that's note-taking, that's recapping, debriefing, pre-postmortem. It runs the gamut, but you must be a clear, crisp communicator at all times. I mean, that's so important. It's actually one of the first early pieces of critical feedback I got on myself from one of my um, mentors, Dave Brock. So Dave Brock, author of Sales Manager Survival Guide, um, came in and talked with my management team. Right? And I was like, talk, talk to them. At the time, I think I had five or six managers. And I was like, I want, I want all the dirt. I want all, no holds barred. Like, where do I need to improve as their leader? And that was actually the number one piece that came out was like, hey, D, we just want to know like what's going on. Like communicate with us. Let us know what you're thinking and where we're going and, and why. And just keep us involved in those steps. And it was a big turning point um, for myself as, as a leader, I think, was understanding how important 
that is. And so I'm glad you called that out, that communication of the vision. I tell um, my managers now, I over-communicate now. I fix that problem. But the you have to be unrelentingly positive. Like you can't just talk about it once. It's unrelentingly positive. You have to keep bringing it up and keep bringing it up to go to go through it. And so now you mentioned it twice now. So this is where we're going to go next about this kind of individual purpose or motivation, right? So this is kind of a two-part question that we could also probably spend an hour on is, is how do you help? We'll just narrow this down. How do you help an individual maybe find that purpose? Because oftentimes for SDRs early in their careers, they may, maybe don't have as strong of like a true, like what is my purpose or my connection? So I guess, how do you help the reps or the managers kind of pull that information out? It's not easy, you know, it, it's because it's going to come down to trust. It's going to come down to uh, knowing that when they speak with me uh, in a one-on-one, for example, that uh, it's just a conversation right now between you and me. Uh, I'm going to, but this is my approach as well. I, I do everything with love. So I love the people on my team. I want to be seen as a servant leader to them. So what that means to me is I want to be able to identify along with them, but help them remove obstacles from the path that they are on. So I talk with them about have they decided to be very successful in their career? Because until that decision is made and until that switch goes on, you know, who knows what's going to happen? They're kind of just hoping it works out and they're waiting for inspiration and motivation from others when we all know that motivation mostly comes from within. So I try to tap into kind of what journey they've been on as much as they'll open up and share with me. Uh, at knowing that they can trust this information with me and that I'm going to be working in their best interest and on their behalf. And I always have that beginner's mind uh, in these conversations. I'm just, I'm learning, I'm a student, I'm trying to figure these people out. These are people that are likely going to be leaders in their own right someday. And I want them to have the impression of when they were on Barcy's team and Barcy's organization, that's when they felt trusted loyal. They, they learned a lot. They wanted to put in the effort because they knew they were going to be taught. They knew they'd be loved. And they knew that they would get a shining example of how to pay it forward. I've been blessed to have great leaders in my career and in my personal life, both family and friends, mentors, etc. And I, I want to honor them. And I want to honor what I've learned from them. I also understand in a leadership position that you know, the SDR role, for example, is a, a transient one. It's very temporary. People are not going to be on my team forever. So I understand and re- respect that they're going to be alums, alumni of my team at some point. And when they are, I want them to pay this stuff forward and go teach and make a positive impact on the lives of others. So with all that in mind, that's how I begin conversations and dialogue with folks, just so I can get a really real understanding of where they're coming from and where they want to go. And, and I love that because you use a word there that doesn't get said often in sales and leadership, which is love, right? That like to, to love your team. In fact, more often than not, I sign off our team meetings with, I love y'all. I miss y'all. Let's go, right? Mm-hmm. And like having that connection and just that mindset um, oh, for your people, which also is harder, which is harder. It's harder to care about your people than it is to not. It's harder to love your people than it is to not, right? It's easier to treat people like a number than it is to treat them like a person and try to help them grow. And I think that's one of the many reasons why I have so much respect 
for you is you're one of the first people that I remember watching speak talk that way, right? About about their people. Um, which then I actually think I want to follow it up with the flip side of this because I think people get love and uh, I wish I had a better word here, but I'll go for like love and soft confused, right? Where it's like, well, if you love your people, that means you're not also then tough on them. Mm. How do you have some of those tough love conversations? Well, we are here to to work. You know, this is business and we are here to move the needle. Uh, there are pipeline targets that must be met. There are ARR targets that must be met. There are a lot of stakeholders literally invested in our effort. And we don't want this thing to slip on our watch. And so as much as I love them and love the craft and the profession and, and the opportunity, uh, I'm, I feel obligated at the same time to now be a contributor, be a leader, lead from the front, lead by example, raise my standards, raise the standards of the team, adhere to standards of excellence, and deliver uh, and deliver results. Uh, again, uh, they're going to be alum alumni of my team at some point, and I want them to to go and lead. Uh, and you know, leaders. Uh, know how to get to work and get to business when when needed. Doesn't mean there's any love lost, uh, but we have things to do here. Let's rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. I, funny enough, just a few weeks ago, I was talking about that with my SDR managers of like, if you care about someone, that's exactly why you hold a high bar. That's exactly why you talk about the tough things when you need to. Right. Like if that's going to be our premise is that we care about our people, right? The person and salesperson. Well, you wouldn't let a person you care about keep doing things that's detrimental to their success. Correct. You know, it reminds me of a favorite quote of mine from Steve Prefontaine that is to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Mm -hmm. So if I have recognized or the team has recognized your unique strengths and gifts, and I've recognized that you're not applying those unique strengths and gifts. That's super frustrating. And it's actually annoying too, because you're not living up to your potential. And it's happening on my watch. And I'm not a fan of that at all. And so that's how I can get very serious in talking with the team and with individuals is when I just don't see them giving it 100%. They're sacrificing the gift. Yeah, no, it is. It's what truth that I lose more sleep over people's potential than I do ARR and pipeline. Yep. Or bar none, right? Yep. What we talk about a lot internally is the how. The how, how we work, how we approach our day, how we have conversations, right? Because if we're proud of the how, the results should take care of themselves. And even if they don't, we can still be proud because of how we approached things and how we carried ourselves as an org. And funny enough, you know, I asked this question to, to my teams. I said, would you rather work for someone who has lower standards? Would you rather work for someone who doesn't care? Would you rather work for someone who would treat you like a number? Like part of that's part of what you're signing up for is like, because they're out there. You can go work with them if you want. They're everywhere. I can make intros if you want them. <laughs> but it's this idea of, you know, kind of taking some of that ownership is where I want to shift it next. You know, let's talk. To like the individual SDRs, we've been talking about kind of the org a little bit. Like, how can as well as not even just SDR sales reps in general, like take a little bit more of that that ownership and control, right? Like, how can they get a little bit more out of themselves day in and day out? 
Uh, well, they need to they need to lead and and take ownership of their business within the business. So when you're taking ownership of any effort, you're going to encounter problems, and you can either take that problem and just bring it right to leadership for them to solve, or you can address the problem yourself. And you could try to come up with two potential solutions to that problem before you escalate it. And I'll tell you right now, nine times out of 10, if you're really concentrating on resolving the issue and solving the problem, you can do it. You have the resources within you and around you uh, that would astound you if you looked for them. Uh, And that's how leaders get into leadership positions. They get known for solving bigger and more complex, complicated problems over and over again by applying certain formulas or certain approaches to problems. So, I mean, I would really hone in and focus on that area alone. That's how you get started. No, it's it's so true. It's like if you can make problem solving a habit. Yes. Um, And that's what you get. I love this use of the word. This is one of my favorite interview questions, by the way, is like, what are you known for? Hmm. Right. What are you known for? If I were to call your boss right now and say, mm-hmm. what is Barcy known for? I love that question because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very short answer. Right? It's not going to be, oh, well, he's just one of the hardest working, gentlest, kindest people I know. It's going to be, he's known for blank. And I love that mindset Like to pass the SCRs is what are you known for? Because hmm. that carries right? That carries through your org, that carries to other jobs, that carries to other career paths, even of like that, that knowledge and kind of truly making sure that they think about that. Right. But yeah, yeah, you're, you are, we all are, we are leading by example, whether we like it or not, you know, people will never come up to us and tell us, you know, uh, what they might be modeling from, from us or what they might be avoiding because they're seeing us illustrate it. Uh, but we're always leading by example. So it's up to you to make that choice. How do I want, what's the example I want to lead by? And what do I want to be known for? And whether you like it or not as well, you're kind of leaving behind this trail of breadcrumbs of your little examples. And people will use, to your point, Katie, one word to label you just like that. We're all human. Uh, we have real hypersensitive BS meters. And uh, you just can't, you can't fool us. You know, we know what's up. We know who, who, you're, who you are. Uh, no, and it's crazy. And too, for anyone listening that wants to get into leadership, leadership, understand you know this magic, you know, two-letter, two-word phrase, back channeling. They're not just going to talk to the references you put on the piece of paper. When you want to start becoming a manager, director, VP, CRO, the three happy people you have on your resume are not going to be who they call. They are actually going to look for who you didn't list. That when I'm looking at managers or directors and I have their references, I look for who they who should they have listed and they didn't. Why was their direct report not a reference? Or why was this person not a reference and do those back channeling type conversations to find out what that legacy they've left behind is? And so 100 percent And actually we can transfer into this hiring, right? Hiring yeah. SDRs. What do you look for in the SDRs that you're bringing into your org? 
Uh, number one, I look for a great attitude. You talked about positivity. So I want somebody who's going to step into a room and shed light. I don't want somebody stepping into room into a room to suck life out of it. Uh, I don't like to surround myself in my personal life with uh, Eeyores and rain clouds. Mm -hmm. I like people who bring light, you know, and are excited about life and have attitudes of gratitude. So I look for those characteristics first in SDR candidates. I then move on to, you know, how well can they communicate? Again, are, do they have clear writing? Do they have, uh, you know, clear talk tracks? Because to me, that exudes clear thinking. Uh, third is, are they organized? You know, they're going to be responsible for spinning a lot of plates in the SDR role. There's a lot that's going to be coming at them. And are they organized enough to, you know, look at their weeks and months and quarters and bite-sized chunks and getting after it accordingly? Uh, also, um, it's really important that they understand the marketplace. They understand the critical business issues and the problems that our offering is solving for others. Uh, the more acquainted they get with the uh, problems we've solved for customers and um, late stage prospects, the better, more articulate and more of service they'll be to, uh, to the marketplace. So that's super important. And those are just what that's a slew of so many different great characteristics to look for. No, I mean, I think back to even like the opening question, I think those are the foundation. Right? Without those is the foundation, you know, like, because if you take one of those away, the odds of success are significantly lower. They can have everything, but if they're not organized, probably not going to succeed. They can have everything, but if they have a poor attitude, they're not going to succeed. And so I love those as kind of like the foundation to, to build upon. And so now we talked hiring. And earlier we talked about love and like kind of the dichotomy of love, right? You love, but you have to have that tough love sometimes too. Let's talk about growth and patience because I think this is something in the SDR world, especially it's like, it is transient, as you mentioned, right? They do move through it. But at the same time, there's like this impatience to, to take that next step. So let's talk about kind of this, how do you balance the growth conversations with also, you know, the development and patience conversations of like, hey, it takes time to become whatever is next. Oh boy, it's a regular discussion piece. Uh, so leaders have to set the expectations, first of all, uh, as to how long an SDR should expect to be in a role. At some companies, it's six months. At others, it's 24 months or, or even longer. Uh, just but make that clear. Mm -hmm. Also have that well-lit career path for them. So they see the, you know, the one path that they can follow post-SDR role or the multitude of paths. It, it all depends on the company that you're with and you know how how you roll with respect to the people pipeline uh but uh you're not kidding i think you know our school system has uh, you know ingrained in people look you're in fourth grade for one year and then you're in fifth grade and then you're in sixth grade and then you're in seventh grade and so when you become an sdr you're like look i've been here a year i kind of get what we're doing here i what's next let's go and what I've seen happen more often than not is because they're so hasty, those that have gotten promoted prematurely, they have missed out on so many fundamentals that you learn as an SDR to make you a successful account executive and leader. And because they missed it, they're on performance plans 18 months into the AE role. And what mm -hmm. they do is they go from lily pad to lily pad. They just go from one company to the next. And I can, I can point out countless examples where you could just see it on the LinkedIn profile. 
yep. you know, in year and four months, year and seven months, they're off and run into another AE role. And it's because they never mastered the craft to begin with. Uh, they did not play the long game, nor did they keep their world small. So play the long game, but know that, hey, I've got to get to lunch, you know, or I've got to get to the end of this week. And I've got to uh, show that I've moved the needle, that I've made minor improvements. And I've got to document and chronicle, chronicle those, those movements, good, bad, or otherwise, so that I can at least speak to them when I do become eligible for a next role. Ooh, touch on that a little bit more. I think that's a great call out of kind of building like your brag book a little bit. Yeah, it's really, really important that SDRs become documentarians. And what I mean by that is if you want to keep a running Google Doc or Evernote or Notes, whatever it is that works best for you, start chronicling the highlights that you are performing from or, or producing uh, as well as the lowlights. But the caveat with the lowlights is you've also got to include how you improved them. Yes. You know, how you went from X to Y in a given time frame. And that could be summarized in a hiring deck that you send to a hiring manager internally for the existing company that you're at. You know, if there's a subsequent role that appeals to you and you want to get on the radar of that hiring manager, make a PDF or a slide deck of three slides that talks about what your journey's been like so far and mention the highlights and lowlights because you've been paying attention pipeline you've produced, logos that you sourced, you know, uh, someone you mentored on your team that was not doing well and is now doing great. All that stuff counts because it shows the holistic person that that hiring manager wants on their team. I love that. So I had an SDR recently that was promoted. He did something that quite literally no SDR on any of my teams had ever done before. And like, I tell the story now every time he had, so he qualified for the AE bootcamp. Right, so some of what you talk about, it's very clear how to earn it. And then once you're in, they go into an AE boot camp. But then you got to pass out of the AE boot camp. So something we do a little bit differently, right? So a lot of companies, they qualify for the promotion. You qualify for the promotion, but you still got to test out of the AE boot camp, right? I'm not just going to release you into the wild. You don't know how to close yet. SDRs, I'm just telling you, you don't know how to close yet. There is a difference there. But in the process, when it came to his final interview, the morning of his final interview, myself and my director on the AE side got an email from him that had testimonial videos from two of the AEs that he supported and the manager of the AEs that they supported basically giving a testimonial for why they felt he was ready for the job and what it was like working with him. Mm-hmm. I, was, I, I, I mean, I messaged Jess, my director, I'm like, do we even have to interview him at this point? Yeah, all like, day, you know, it was. I'll remember that forever. And no one asked him to do it. No one told him to do it. He just went and got other people to vouch for him. And I thought that was such a, I mean, truly, I think my response back was just, that's a gangster move right there. That's just gangster. Like, I love this. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. That's a brilliant move. And also, it comes down to fostering a culture of recognition, you know, and engagement through your communication and leading by example. If you have account executives who are propping up your SDRs, you know, they should, they should be, first of all, reciprocating. But I mean, what a great reputation uh, as an STR to be known as someone who has thorough notes, who mm-hmm. really hands the baton to the AE in the right way. And AEs will take your ops all day long and your meetings all day long because they, they know you have thoroughly vetted them. And that's, that's an incredible reputation because when you're an AE, your customers are going to have that reputation of you as well. 100%. There's that phrase again, y'all, if you're listening, known for it. 
that you're known for, that they know if they see an op coming from Varsity, this is going to be a good one. When they see an email coming out, they know they can count on you. So remember this. It's what you're known for controls that that day-to-day. So I got one last question here before we get into like our final two, just around training and development and kind of how you work that into your orgs, right? Because there's training provided by the company or the org. There's also taking some of that personal ownership around development. So how do you kind of create that culture of learning, development, and training across your orgs? Yeah, well, it's really important to include somehow, some way in your training and in your development, uh, a self-assessment. So it's really, really important that uh, everyone actually looks at four questions about themselves and actually does their own due diligence and invests an hour or two on themselves writing, you know, what are my career aspirations, near-term, mid-term, long-term, and how do I even define those timeframes? Second is, is there one person in my career that I'm trying to emulate? Who would that be and why? Why do I want to emulate them? Third would be, you know, what, what do I need to work on? What do I still need to learn? Uh, what are the areas of improvement that I need to be focused on in, in this amount of time? And then lastly, how can others help me? Whether that's my teammates, whether it's my boss, whether it's my mentor, how can others help me get where I need to go? Uh, and again, there's going to be this assumption that you're going to go ahead and pay that forward when the opportunity presents itself. But I would highly recommend if your development program today and your training program today at work does not include some form of assessment, please include it. And I think uh, you'd be amazed at some of the results you'll see. Yeah, no, I really like that. We, It's funny when we align on this stuff. This was, I talked about this two weeks ago in our SDR kickoff. I was like, we need to realign on our goals. We need to like, I think, uh, first I was like, hey, how's, that, how's everyone's New Year's resolutions going, by the way? We're, right. we're in May now. Exactly. Anyone? How, oh, how are we doing? Right. That's right. <clears throat> oh, shoot. I did have those. I was like, yeah. I want to go through these again. You and I should talk about this in 2020. Remember this? We did a, we did a New Year's in August. We reset. We're like, yeah. okay, 2020 jacked everything up. That doesn't mean you just throw away all your goals. You make new goals to finish out the year. And we did a whole reset, all the goals. And I think that's something we're looking to do next week is like, we need to write all that down again and pay Mm -hmm. attention to what are the goals. But then the question everyone always seems to forget is who do I need to become to achieve these goals? Because you can write down six figures all you want. You can write down manager, director, VP, all you want. But if you never figure out who you need to be to accomplish those, it doesn't matter. Oh, amen. And also vocalize it, you know, Mm -hmm. share it with those you trust and but get it into the ether, you know, because you and I both know the universal conspire to help you out. Truth, truth. That was that was Ask one. You'll receive. That was one of my affirmations for the longest time. The universe is conspiring for me. I can't wait to see what it does. Uh, another great one is from uh, the poet Rumi. Uh, you know, uh, walk through life as if everything is rigged in your favor. Right. Just believe it. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. where like lucky people just tend to think they get lucky. Because they yeah. spot it more. They just spot it more. They're like, I'm going to be lucky. Why not be a lucky person? So right. hell yeah, dude. Well, dude, we've already been riffing for almost 45 minutes. I knew this was going to fly. So I got two final questions for you here. So the first one's just kind of a, a recap, right? It's like, you know, we've been talking about scaling and growth and culture and hiring, tough love and all that. If you wanted people to remember just three things from our conversation today that you felt were the most impactful for them to remember about SDR teams or SDR individuals, what would those three things be? Uh, three things. Okay, here we go. This is tough because I got to be brief. One oh. is 
Again, a quote from Brian Tracy, decide today to be a big success in everything you do. Number one, make that decision. Number two, uh, and if, you know, anything less than your best is to, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. So, hey, we need you. We need to see what your strengths and your gifts are, and you got to bring it. Bring it for us. That's how we're all going to become better is if we get the best of you. So uh, don't hold back on that. Uh, and then lastly, I would say um, develop and constantly hone your attitude of gratitude. Uh, you know, just the fact that, you know, both you and I are drinking fresh water throughout this entire dialogue, that alone is a gift. You know, we're, we're not ill, uh, you know, sick in bed trying to make it through today. We're, we're here, we're talking to one another, uh, we're trying to impart some, some wisdom and some nuggets for the audience. And that, that alone is a gift. So just, you know, develop that attitude of gratitude. There's too much goodness going on. You just got to be looking for it. I love that. Like we actually, we made a journal for, for our sales reps that has a gratitude section where oh, it's like beautiful. every, every, I'll shoot you the PDF afterwards. You can take, take a look at it. Cause it's like just a daily, daily habit of going through it. And that's actually a perfect segue to the last question, right? So the name of the podcast is live better, sell better. I've got this crazy idea that if we took better care of ourselves, if we lived better, if we had more joy and energy and fulfillment in our lives, that sales would also improve from that, right? What would your live better advice be for people listening? Uh, I would stop focusing on yourself so much and focus on others. Uh, there's a great Zen proverb where, you know, the student goes to the master and says, master, I'm discouraged. What should I do? And the master says, encourage others. So start facing outward, start seeing, you know, who might need a helping hand, who might need uh, a few minutes of your time. Uh, it, it makes such a big difference in the lives of others. So be that person. And uh, KD, uh, I want to thank you for, you know, all that you do for our profession and, and uh, all the sales and sales development folks out there and leaders as well. You know, you've got a lot of eyes and ears paying attention to you. And I really appreciate uh, the message that you're constantly putting out into the world. Thanks. Thanks for being here, man. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, I, I appreciate you. And I truly can say, I don't think I'd be here without you. Because I still remember the first time I watched you speak live. I think it was that Rainmaker. Gosh, this was so... That was, I know. I'm, we're getting talking, up like, there. Yeah, we might be talking like six, seven years ago. And yeah. you, the way you were talking about your team, because at that point, I was a manager still trying to become a director. And watching you speak about how you built your teams and how you thought through that process, but that communication around love and not being afraid to communicate that definitely stuck with me. And I think it's helped me be the leader that I am today, my man. So I appreciate you today. I appreciate you for everything you've done for me and for the sales world. Where can people get more of you? Where can they get more insights of the man, the myth, the legend, Barcy. Where can they consume it? Thanks for that, KD. The feeling's mutual. Uh, my blog is ralphbarcy.com. Uh, go right ahead and subscribe if you don't want to be spammed by me and you just want uh, some good content when it's available. That's when you'll get it. Uh, you could follow me on Twitter at rbarcy and then you can connect with me with a message though. Don't blindly send me an invite on LinkedIn at ralphbarcy. There we go, my man. Anyone listening, go follow this man, consume, absorb, and most importantly, execute. Barcy, thank you so much, man. This was great. Same. Thanks, KD. Right. Better, man.